welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Jessica Jane Robinson. She has one of the most unique stories I've seen, and she incorporates her passions around the environment and the humanities in a way that I haven't seen. So I'm really excited to be able to visit with her today. So first of all, Jessica Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about your educational background? Yes. I um, I went to the University of San Francisco, and I have a bachelor's degree in performing arts and social justice, minor in dance. So we're going to talk about the performing arts and dance uh, as a part of your other passion, which is, uh, I wanted to ask, how did you start your journey on environmental activism? That's a wonderful question. Environmentalism has always just been a part of me. Even as a little child, I was always felt connected to the environment and I love being in nature. And my curiosity really started to peak in college when I was doing research papers on the Amazon and climate. And um, after I became Miss Alameda, representing the city of Alameda and the Miss California USA pageant, my platform was on sustainability and um, uh, reducing greenhouse gases. And that really kind of pushed me towards my, my career. Uh, could you tell the audience who might not be from the Bay Area where Alameda is? Alameda is a small little island in the San Francisco Bay, and it's in between San Francisco and Oakland. And it's a little gem, and it's been my home all my life. <laughs> uh, I was really intrigued with, uh, I'm not sure campaign is the right word, but it started with something called Miss Alameda uh, Says Compost. How did that start? And how did you work with the city uh, to convince them to let you do that? Oh, wow. So Miss Alameda Says Compost, that was that was the start of everything. Um, I was in the Miss California USA pageant, and I was determined to not just be a voice on stage, but to actually walk my talk. And so after I competed the, in my first year, I decided I wanted to return. But when I returned, I wanted to actually have something to show for what I believe. And in that time span of returning my second year, I connected with my mentor, Ruth Abbey, who, um, was a part of CASA community or who is a part of CASA community action for sustainable Alameda. And I told Ruth that I wanted to be more involved with the environment and I wanted to help get plastics out of the ocean. And she was like, Oh, oh, that's great. But you know, for Alameda, we really need to get organics out of the landfill. And I was like, organics out of the landfill. What do you mean? And she goes, we need to get our restaurants to compost and recycle. And I really thought she was giving me diapers. I was just so like, that's not what I want to do. I want to get plastics out of the ocean. 
but then I decided, okay, I'll do it. And I did, I had no clue that that taking on that, that program was a not going to be easy. And two really, uh, taught me a lot about, um, engaging with communities, working with the city. And so the mass program to answer your question, the mass program was a partnership with CASA, the city of Alameda and, um, ACI, our waste hauler, our city waste hauler. And in order for us to be successful, we had to have a, a collaborative partnership. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing, pretty amazing times for me. And, many doors open from that. And I got to connect with so many business owners and, um, and really just engage with my community. Yeah, those were, those were amazing times. <laughs> so um, the message that you had around composting though, is that something that resonated with business owners? Did you have to educate them about that or how, how did you go about that? That's a great question. So I started off with people that I knew, business owners that I knew. And since I was Miss Alameda, I had sponsors. So I went to my sponsors and I went to some of my friends that were business owners and I explained to them the program. And honestly, to me, it was an easy sell because the city of Alameda already had a program in place that was not being utilized um, prior. businesses could get um, free service up to 96 gallons for compost and recycle, uh, one-time pickup a week. Um, and then anything over that 20% off discounted from the landfill. So there is an incentive already built in to compost and recycle, but most business owners, A, didn't know about it. B, probably thought it was too much of a pain to separate because they didn't have the tools or the where know-how and they're just, you know, in their flow. And so what my program provided was, yes, technical skill, like um, education. Uh, We also provided supplies, so color-coded containers. um, And I did trainings. I I would go into the businesses and actually train the employees and set up the actual containers. And I am all about practicing what I preach. So when I would go in to train restaurants, I would put on plastic gloves and I would literally separate their waste real time and show them, like, Majority of this bin is compost. There's maybe a little bit of plastic film from packaging. Plastic film goes in the landfill. All the rest can go in the compost. And so I literally would divert all of the waste um, back back of the house for the restaurants during the training. So I could, A, gather buy-in from the business owners and the rest and the employees so they could actually see, oh, you know, what she's recommending is actually correct. And of course, there was always the incentive of, and guess how much money you're saving? And I would do all the calculations and I'd work with ACI to pull up the garbage bills and do the right sizing adjustments. And in some cases, some businesses were saving a couple of grand a month from doing the right thing. You know, that is going to get a business owner's attention when you can show them the real cost savings. Was was those initial calculations you did did they later form the basis of your calculator on your website? Yes, they did, actually. That, that is actually what inspired my website, um, my carbon calculator. When I was doing my program, 
we started having milestones. I would always give restaurant certificates. Um, that was one of that was one of the sweetest things about mask was that business owners, they wanted me to come to their business because they wanted my certificate on their wall. It was, it was a branding. And after a while, everybody wanted the Miss Alameda certificate. And um, I was, when I saw like how the business owners were responding and when they would see their stats, I mean, they would see like how much CO2 re, um, reduction they were doing a year by the program. I thought, well, if individuals could know how much of an impact they make every time they recycle and compost and, and, and take on sustainable actions. And so I developed my carbon calculator concept, I believe it was in 2013, um, and it took me a just, a, oh no, I think it was 2012, but it took me, or 11, woo, it took me about seven years to get a funding and talent <laughs> to put this calculator together, but I never gave up. But yes, uh, mask was the foundation of the whole concept of my carbon calculator. Um, could you tell us about the climate protection plan? Was that already in place? So was there a forum you could go to for the city of Alameda that they were looking for people like you to, to come in with innovative ideas? So the climate protection plan um, had been written, I believe, in 2008. And when I got on board, it was about 2010. And it's just by chance or fate, I, I believe in fate, um, that I just landed at at the, I showed up at the right time with the right people. And my mentor, Ruth Abbey, um, and she's also my colleague and friend, she happened to be one of the writers of the city of Alameda's climate protection plan. And so it was through meeting her, working on Miss Alameda's compost that I intersected and became a partner with the city um, through CASA, um, using, utilizing my platform and helping them reach their goals. And it just, it just by chance that my pilot, my pilot program, Miss Alameda says compost helped the city reach some of its goals. Like that, it was, it was a program that was developed to help the city reach its goals where the city didn't necessarily have to do the work, but they benefited from it. And it was um, maybe four years after the implementation of mask that uh, the city was able to pass the mandate to make it mandatory for all commercial businesses and multifamily units to also participate in composting and recycling. It sounds like the Miss Alameda title uh, actually gave you a platform by which you could advocate. You talked about how that opened doors in the business community. Does that equally work when you speak to uh, young women or people of color or other parts of the community that are not business? Oh yeah. Um, it does open up doors. And I also just think it's, it's the passion behind me. Um, one thing that people always say is they thank me for my passion and for, for caring. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's my, that it was my title that really opened up the doors, but it was the fact that I actually wanted to be of service and that I really care. And I, and I mean what I say and I back what I say with action that people took me seriously. There were times where there were maybe some doubts, but through my actions and my consistency, I passed all of those challenges with um, 
with any doubts that people may have had in the past about whether or not I would follow through. And now there's no question. It just, it's my reputation. They know when I'm on the job, I'm going to get it done. Uh, I learned a new title, the Al Gore climate leader. Yeah. So could you tell me what that is and how that's helped you in your activism? (laughs) So um, climate reality project is Al Gore's, um, is Al Gore's transmedia project. And it was based off of his documentary uh, on the inconvenient truth. And he had his own um, slideshow presentation. And after that, he started training others with his slideshow so that they could help um, express and explain climate change to um, as many people as possible to help break through the climate denial deniers. And um, Climate Reality Project began to grow as Al Gore did more and more trainings. And I got trained in 2000, August of 2012. And to be honest with you, I didn't set out to become a climate leader. I actually set out to give Al Gore a copy of my, my short film recycle woman, (laughs) because, um, everybody that had seen it was saying, Oh, Al Gore needs to see this. You need to get this into the schools. And so I was like, okay, let's go get Al Gore's endorsement. So in the process of trying to get Al Gore to endorse my short film, um, I became a climate leader and that was just my attempt to see how I could you know, reach out to him. And, um, and so the next thing I know, I'm a climate leader and I got my first contract for working in schools that same year. And so in that process, I ended up becoming, um, one of the top performers in climate reality project because I started bringing the message into the schools and just tying it into their programs because it all ties in together. And so I would just I do what I do. I just, I connect all the dots. I explain it so that people can understand from all age groups. And I just, I make it happen. You're also a part of the Northern California Recycling Association. Could you say a few words about what that is and some of the things you've done through that organization? Yes. Um, So the Northern California Recycling Association is an organization, obviously in Northern California. And we focus on zero waste recycling, Um, We look at um, ordinances and bills, and we basically um, just make sure that things are moving in, uh, that, that we're making progress in California when it comes to sustainability. And also we stand for, um, for, for human rights, for health, for, um, healthy programs, uh, for CRV collection. Um, NICRA has a long history of work that they've done from fighting landfill or not landfills, but, um, fighting incinerators in California, Uh, you name it, they've, they've been a part of it. And, um, I have been treasurer for the Northern California Recycling Association, and I'm currently vice president. So let's turn to the, uh, I'm going to call it the business you founded, but uh, I don't know if that's the right term, your organization, Resilient Birthright. And you've got a lot of different things coming out of that. So um, the first thing is, what led you to create the 
graphic novel series and more importantly, the character. Aw, yes. So Resilience was inspired um, by Recycle Woman and becoming a climate leader um, under Al Gore. And I started to, I took on a call to action as a climate leader to do my own climate change expedition. And while I was doing research about the origins of climate change, like what is the main drivers of climate change? I really wanted to understand it. I came down to the conclusion that it has a lot more, well, of course, uh, it has much more to do than recycling. But I realized my superhero character name was limited um, as Recycle Woman. And through that whole experience, I I rebranded and I evolved into my character, Resilience, which she covers um, the whole issue of climate change from the source, which is the self, like everything that I believe everything that is happening in this world is a reflection of society and where our values are and, um, and also our relationship with ourselves and with others all around the world. And so resilience was born and, um, my company, what my nonprofit was established in 2016, I believe. And that was because I was doing projects, um, umbrellaed under other nonprofits. And one day my mentor, Ruth Abbey, once again said, you know, Jessica, we really need to get CASA community action for sustainable Alameda and resilience. We need to get them an official 501 C threes. Cause then we can do a lot more. And I was like, you know, Ruth, you're right. So one, uh, one day in January, we sat down and we did all the paperwork and then the rest is history. One of the things that struck me about Resilient Birthright was this is much more to me than just environmental activism, because I've, I heard uh, in watching some of the videos and reading about it, really individual accountability. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. If we want to live in a healthy, on a healthy planet and have access to clean water, clean, uh, healthy food, breathe clean air, we have to be accountable and we have to be accountable for ourselves and for what, and for the daily actions that we cho- choose to do. And I'm not saying that everybody that walks the planet is guilty, but um, we all participate and it's through awareness. Um, sometimes, I mean, I didn't always know how my daily actions impacted the planet until I discovered it. And then once I realized, oh, this habit or, or drinking out of plastic water bottles, all of these actions, once I started to learn, I started to find little ways that I could tweak my daily actions so that my imprint, my impact is reduced. And that if I do have an impact, it's on a positive scale in terms of, of sharing information and trying to help others. But yes, it's, it's really important that we take accountability for ourselves, but also by becoming aware because you don't know what you don't know until you know, right? So it's just kind of getting out of this stage of 
um, of ignorance of how we impact ourselves and the environment and our communities and kind of going into self-awareness. So you have done a series of graphic novels. You do videos, uh, you do performance art. It seems like you're able to, I would say, indulge, but utilize not simply the talent you have, but your real passion around performance. Could you talk a little bit about that and how that helps you with the educational component of Resilient Birthright? Yes, um, I grew up as a performer. Um, I have been a child model, ballerina, um, jazz dancer, um, theatrical stage performer, and I've also done film. And that expression of art has trained me to have stage presence. And that has been a huge tool when working in schools. Um, children are probably one of the hardest audiences a person could ever have. Because if you're not sure about what you're saying, or if you show any bit of doubt, if they see you sweat, you lost them. They'll just start talking to each other. They'll start laughing. And it's just, you, you lost your audience. And um, I learned that I learned that in the first couple of assemblies I had, the first couple of major assemblies where I was in an auditorium with 500 kids and they're, you know, and I'm trying to fumbling with my computer and like sweating bullets. And I realized, Oh, the kids can see me. They, they can feel it. They can see it. And yeah. So um, being confident and having stage presence really um, does make a huge difference when it comes to engaging and working with children. And then of course, if you can win children over, it's easy to transition that to adults. Um, but I honestly believe children are the hardest audience ever. And um, performing, my performance skills have definitely helped me uh, by far, especially when it comes to improvising, being like hot on your toes. Let me ask a, a, a question that's a, a little geeky and into the weeds up a little bit. But uh, you've got a couple of videos up about 10 things that you can recycle uh, today. And yeah. I was wondering if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about that so that listeners could, could know there's something they can take away from this podcast literally right now to help the environment. Absolutely. So the top 10 things that can be recycled anywhere in the state of California. Now, this may translate to other states, but... I just want a small disclosure. The best way to know what your what your city can um, accept is just by Google searching recycle and then put your city. And um, within the Google search, you'll see like a few haulers or it just it just depends if you have one contract hauler or various companies providing services. But I digress. Let's get to the point top 10 materials that can be recycled anywhere in the state of California. So we have paper and that's like mail, mail can be recycled, any junk mail, newspaper, of course, and then office paper. So one of the things to think about is paper. Paper can always be recycled. Then we go into plastics. So you can, pl uh, you can recycle your plastic water bottles and plastic containers. Um, like shampoo bottles or, um, or lotion bottles. And the thing with plastics, 
you want to make sure that they're empty and that you actually put the caps back on because they used to say in the recycling world, take the caps off because they can't be recycled. Well, what they found out is that people weren't doing it anyways. So they found a way to recycle the caps by um, putting all the plastic pieces in water and actually the two plastics separate on their own. So they actually do separate both of them. So to ensure that little pieces of plastic actually get recycled, put the caps back on. And then we go into cardboard. So you can recycle cardboard. Cardboard is a commodity. So definitely recycle cardboard. And that even goes down to cardboard um, cereal boxes. Cereal boxes can be, car uh, can be recycled as well. Then we go into glass. So we can recycle our glass jars and our jugs and our bottles. So glass can be recycled. And metal, we can recycle aluminum foil. And so let's just say we have lasagna and there's a little bit of lasagna cheese or something on the tin foil. Um, you can scrape it off. You can also clean it and reuse it. But when you're done and you're ready to retire, if there's a little bit of like food inside, you don't want like a whole burrito in there. But if there's like a little bit of residue of food, you can just close it inside itself and then just put it in your recycling. Um, what they do at the um, recycling facilities is they actually melt down the aluminum. So like any food particles will just burn away. And then you can recycle, um, of course, your uh, soda cans and you can recycle any type of um, cans of soup, like soup cans and like different tins. So let's, um, uh, I always have to ask, uh, we're recording this in December, 2020. What uh, has the Corona health crisis meant for environmental activism and, and what challenges has it brought to you or any of the people you're working with around uh, recycling or other environmental issues? <laughs> wow, this year has been quite interesting. So um, one of the horrors for my team and I this the beginning of this year was when we could no longer bring our reusables to the coffee, um, to the coffee uh, cafes, to the cafes um, this year when all of a sudden reusables are being rejected and we're all of a sudden being forced disposables. Um, in the Bay Area, we've been working really hard to implement reusable programs. And then all of a sudden due to COVID it's like, no, no reusables. And so we're like, no, they're forcing plastic on us. And then um, I work in schools and so do many of my colleagues. And we were, um, you know, following all of the new recommendations and they're like, oh my God, did you hear? They want to wrap all of the food in, in, in single plastics. Like they want to just wrap everything up. And we're like, no, we've been trying to get rid of that stuff. That stuff contaminates our compost and our recycling stream. Don't do that to us. Don't do it to the kids. They don't like it either. It, it's hard for them to get through all that material. And it, and it also, they don't have enough time to like separate all that stuff. It's chaotic. Um, what else? Oh my goodness. And then the disposable uh, gloves and masks on the streets. That was like my nemesis. I was just going berserk when I saw that. I'm like, great. Now people are just like littering their COVID gloves on the street. Like who wants that? Take that back home, throw it away. You know, like if you're wearing it, you can remove it and put it in a trash can, you know, don't just leave it on the street. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> can I go on? 
So let me, uh, I have a very passion question to ask you. Uh, several places in your Instagram, Instagram accounts and other places, you have a picture of uh, Resilient Birthright and Nichelle Nichols. Oh, yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us the story behind that. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was, that was, um, that was such a delight to meet her. She is, she is so sweet. So I was at, I think it was in LA. I think I was at the LA, a a Comic-Con and maybe in Long Beach. And she was there and I got a ticket to get a photo with her. And I wanted to give her a copy of my graphic novel. I just thought she might like it. And, um, and I'm a little bit of a dork. I'll just, I'll just be honest. So I was shy. I just kind of reverted to like a 10 year old little girl. And I went up to her. It was like my turn to like take a photo. And I went up to her and I was like, hi, I'm a superhero and I'm addressing climate change and I want to help heal the planet. And here's my graphic novel. I want to give it to you. And she was just like, oh, thank you so much. And I was like, okay. And then they're like, okay, get ready for your picture. And then one of her helpers, um, was trying to take her graphic novel from her for the picture. And she was like, Oh no, no, no. She's like, I want it right here. And then she just sat there and like held it right in front of her. And I was just like, Oh my God, she's taking a photo with my graphic novel. And I just like melted. I just melted. She was just so kind. And I also thanked her for being a pioneer for women of color too. I really, I, I, I thanked her. I, Yeah. Yeah, she is. She has finally gotten the recognition she's long deserved for that that role alone. Um, where is Resilient Birthright headed? Sort of beyond twenty twenty one. Well, so I have chapter two and three in the pipeline of the graphic novel series. I wrote thirteen episodes in two thousand and fourteen. It's just taking me a while to publish. So chapter two and three are, are right now being storyboarded as we speak. And, um, I am working on a pilot episode of book one. So I started working on that and it's a a fusion of animation and real acting. So that will be a treat once it's, once it's done. And this year I, um, have produced a few songs and I'm in the process of, uh, creating another song. Um, so Future Resilience Birthright, more books coming out, music videos, a soundtrack for the web series, and um, and uh, more content. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information on yourself, Resilient Birthright, or any of the activities that you've engaged in, or we've talked about on this podcast, where could they go? They could go to my website at www.rbrorg.com and they could, um, if they want to follow me, they can get um, access to my newsletter and just subscribe to my newsletter on my website. Um, They can also access my carbon calculator. If you go to that website, they'll see a button at the top that says carbon calculator. If you click that, it'll take you to my nonprofit website, which is the calculator. And, um, yeah. And you, I also on my, um, carbon calculator, I have my blogs, so you can also follow the new information that I have to share, um, through my blogs. 
So if you are interested in any of these or want to talk to Jessica Jane, I would suggest uh, you go to her website now. She's one of the most dynamic individuals I've had the chance to visit with uh, recently. I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and fun. And I wanted to tell you earlier, I like your your shirt. <laughs> I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> for those listening at home, yes, I'm wearing my Star Wars shirt. So <laughs> thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you are a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Profiles in Persistence. I love seeing your post and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.